Almost everyone I meet today says he is a Christian. But I can tell often, immediately, that that person does not have the Spirit of God. You can go forth and be baptized in a church and join a church and not have the Spirit of God. And this is what Jesus warns us about because he said this is a sign of the last times. Matthew 24. Many will come in my name, says Jesus, and they will say that I, Jesus, am Christ. And because they say that, they'll deceive many. And he warns us, don't be deceived by them. You basically have to let them exhibit to you that they are following the Spirit of God. Just stay quiet and don't get too excited about them and let them prove it out. When they prove themselves not to be of the Spirit of God, I'm so grieved all the every time they do that. I think it is the Holy Spirit in me that is grieved. I just know there is a deep grief when I see they really aren't Christians. And it takes sometimes a while for God to restore the joy that I usually have concerning the gospel and the scriptures. It does harm to us. A baby Christian thinks everybody's a Christian. They go to a church and they just assume everybody's a Christian. I know because that's what I did. My best friend warned me. She said, these people in churches have done more harm to me than any of the people in the world ever did. And I didn't doubt her, but I couldn't understand it. I just loved all of them. And like a puppy loves every human, whether the human likes him or not. The baby Christians are that way. But they can harm us. And as we have time to mature, we see how much harm they can do. I will tell you straight off, I rarely find anyone in any church group who's actually a real Christian following the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 tells us how to identify the real Christians. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this is a warning concerning these people. Paul said, lay hands suddenly on no one. And that basically means, don't get too excited about them. Let's see what they do. Let's just watch and see what they do. He says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. When you find that person who really exhibits having the Spirit of God, hold fast to that person. Pam Paget exhibited to me that she had the Spirit of God, and I certainly held fast to her. How did she exhibit it? We, uh, she worked with me writing books. I wrote books on, I write books on Amazon, and Pam does all the technical work. When she would run into a problem, 
she would turn to God in prayer and he would show her how to solve the problem. And then later she would tell me about the problem and how she had prayed and God had shown her how to solve the problem. She didn't just run to me with the problem. She turned to God and followed him. That is evidence of a person having the Spirit of God. You rarely find anyone who does that. Recently, a man sent me an email, and he said he had been reading in Matthew, and he said there was something he didn't understand, and he said, would you help me to understand this? And he seemed so genuine. He seemed so humble in his email. I believe he was from the Orient, by his name as well as his use of the English language. He seemed oriental to me. Anyway, I responded uh, to him. He was wanting to know about the name of God. And I said, well, it's the Word. God is the Word. That is God. And I gave him some scripture on it. I even published it in our blog in May. A few days later, he sent me another letter, and in the second letter, email, he said, well, you might be right, but then again, it could be blah, 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 blah. And I I was so grieved. I saw by that he is not a man who is humble as I thought he was. He's not a man who is seeking God or truth. He's a man who wants to tell his own opinions. I could see it clearly. I told Pam, I said, don't ever forward me his emails again. And she said she put him in spam, which automatically keeps us from reading any emails by that person. I was so grieved that night, and I just couldn't recover. I told God, I said, oh, please, please help me to be restored. I'm so grieved over him. The next morning, I was a little better, but then I went back to sleep after I had my breakfast, and I had a series of dreams which completely restored me from the grief that I'd had over this man. That kind of grief really hurts us. It causes us to lose joy. When we had the house up for sale in Texas, there was a Jewish woman, a realtor, who came to us, and she said she was a Messianic Jew. As I understand it, that's a Jew who believes in Jesus. And she wrote me this email, which had many flowery words in it. And I questioned it when I read the email. I thought, this doesn't sound like God to me. Shortly after that, she proved herself. She was talking with Pam Padgett, and she mentioned she had been married. She's divorced, and she'd found a new man, and Pam warned her by the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 7, Matthew 5, 32, warned her that if she remarried, she would commit adultery. And then this woman revealed herself. She said, Oh, I'm a Messianic Jew. We have our own doctrine. We don't go by the Bible. 
Oh, well, I mean, you know, this is, oh, Jesus is the Bible. The Word is God. And the Word given to us in the Bible is inspired by God. And you can't say, I don't go by the Bible. We have our own doctrine. So I knew she was counterfeit. I knew she didn't have the Spirit of God. Later, after the house sold, this realtor, she, this Jewish realtor, wanted to rent the house. And I said, no, it's tax exempt. And I don't believe I could rent it because I think if I rented it, they would put me back as a tax. Uh, they would remove my tax exemption. So I didn't let her do that. But since she was so interested in the house, I sent her an email when the house sold. And the email pertained to the glory of God and how God brought the right people to see the house and the works that God did in assuring me that that house would sell during the year and a half when it was on the market. And it was a, a email totally showing the glory of God. And this woman said, what did you want me to see in this email? She said, did you just want me to see that the house sold? I don't know what you wanted me to see. I didn't even respond to her. No, I think I did respond to her. And I said, what you should have seen is how God worked in the sale of the house and the glory of God. And I never heard from her and I wouldn't respond to her again. She just can't see. She's blind. That's the way these counterfeit Christians are. They put themselves into the church, but they ha don't have the Spirit of God. So they are blind, actually, to things of God. And eventually they prove themselves to you. But you can go through a lot of pain and sorrow by uh, the things they do. It's better if you stay less involved with them and spare yourself. Paul warns in Titus chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now, what he's saying is, these are the Jews who pretend to be one of us. They would also be the counterfeit Christians who were the Gentiles that uh, don't have the spirit, that put themselves into the churches. I find almost everybody, preachers as well as congregations today, to be counterfeit without the spirit of God. That's because Antichrist has to come into the churches before Jesus can return. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that. So these are the days of the apostasy in the churches. So Paul says there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. There are so many preachers today who are extortioners, twisting money out of you, making you feel you have to give money. I always gave because I was so grateful at being born again, grateful to God. But I've seen these preachers uh, twist, try to twist money out of you. We get lots of letters from men who say they are ministers, and they tell us they're going to build orphanages, and they're going to build old folks' homes, and they build schools, and they're going to travel all over the 
world and preach the gospel. And one of them told me, he said, I'm going to give a Bible away to every person who comes to my service. Please send me money to buy Bibles. I did not send money. Because these these are not works of God. They sound religious. They catch our emotion. And certainly we want people to have Bibles. But these are works authored by men. For I know they are. When God gives me something to do, a work to do, there's always money to do the work. I don't have to beg you to send money for me to be able to do the work. I know they're false. I know these ministers are false. Jesus warns us about the last days. Matthew 24, And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privily, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered unto them and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I, Jesus, am Christ, and shall deceive many. They come saying they're Christians. They come saying Jesus is Lord, but they don't have the Spirit of God, and they deceive us up until the point that they show themselves to not be following the Spirit of God. Acts 20, Paul warned the elders of the church at Ephesus. He said, Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock of God, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, after his death, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Peter also warns us about these counterfeit Christians in the churches. Peter says, But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Damnable heresies. One of the things that I witnessed in this period of time concerning this was from our Bible teacher at the church I attended. He was a divorced man, and to justify himself, he would say, um, whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. But God didn't join some of us together. So he tried to justify himself by bringing a damnable heresy to our church group. That's what Paul is talk- uh, Peter's talking about. It turned out this Bible teacher was committing fornication at the same time he was teaching us Bible. He was also an elder at the church group, Word of Faith, when it says in Titus chapter 1, in order to be an elder, you must be the husband of one wife and you must have multiple children 
who demonstrate that they are under control. For if a man doesn't know how to control his own household, how can he care for the church of God? So an elder has to be a married man, husband of one wife, and have faithful children. And this man was a divorced man. He had one child by his uh, previous wife, but he was divorced. And they let him be an elder. I should have left that kind of church, but I didn't have that scripture strongly illuminated to me as I do today. I did withdraw fellowship from this man when I found out he was committing adultery, uh, fornication. As our Bible teacher, I went to him and I said, does this mean you have a girlfriend? Does this mean that you are having sex with this woman? And he said, of course. And I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you. And he said, that's right. He didn't care. I never went to his Bible class again, but years later, he did reveal that he had had his flesh destroyed. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us, just put away such a person as this, then turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. I believe that is the hope that they have when a brother is doing a sin such as this because their flesh can be destroyed and somehow or other it brings them where their spirit can be saved. Anyway, that's 1 Corinthians 5, if you care to read that. But uh, Peter says, Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Basically, they're coveting the money that you would give them. Oh, we have that constantly from those people who say they're ministers all over the world. They're wanting our money when they write to me. It says in um, uh, this passage of Scripture, Second Peter 2, Peter says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. He says in verse 13, Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They, in private, they're doing things that they know are wrong, but they feast with us in the sense of coming to church, eating and drinking the Word of God, which is the Lord's Supper, even being our Bible teachers or preachers. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, Through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. 
For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her walloping in the mire. That's Second Peter chapter 2. Paul said there would be perilous times in the churches in the last days, and there certainly are. As we read in Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul, Paul speaks of these perilous times. He says they will have a form of godliness. It's just a form of godliness. But they deny the power of the scriptures to rule over them. And he tells us to withdraw from them. Second Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. These are in the churches. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, we know the world loves pleasure more than God. They don't love God at all. So this is in the church Paul's talking about. Verse 5 really shows us how he's talking about the churches in the latter days. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. They have a form of godliness. They may attend church. They may be baptized. They may join the church. They do various things to make themselves look godly, but they don't follow scripture. They deny scripture when it shows them how they can correct themselves. They don't have the spirit of God. And Paul says, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then in verse 13 he says, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he tells us to continue in the Holy Scriptures, for they are inspired by God. They show us the doctrines that are of God. Continue in them. In the book of Jude, we are warned about those who put themselves into the church without having the Spirit of God. Those people who go forth and are baptized in water 
and join the church, but they do not have the Spirit of God. Jude says, starting in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I attended a little non-denominational church one time, visited, visited that church, looking for a church that I could attend. It was a Wednesday night. There were about 200 people in the congregation. The preacher got up and was teaching about the woman taken in adultery, which is in John chapter 8. And he said, And when this woman was brought before Jesus, she was naked from her waist up. I was shocked. I've read John chapter 8 many times, and I knew that wasn't in there. I turned and looked at the other people in the congregation. I didn't see anyone reach for a Bible. I did reach for my Bible to reread this, but I didn't see anyone else reach for a Bible. There were some men in the congregation, a man in the congregation that I knew he'd done some concrete work for me, and I knew this man, and he just sat there with this big grin on his face, kind of a lustful grin. And the other men, I was looking at their faces, and they had kind of lustful looks on their faces when they thought of the woman being naked from the waist up. Well, the Bible doesn't even say she was naked from the waist up. But this preacher turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. I called him the next day, and I said, I just don't see in the Bible uh, where the woman was naked from the waist up as you taught last night at church. And I would like to know where that is in the Bible. And he said, well, I can't remember where it is. And I said, well, it's just very important for me to know where it is. So please, would you look it up and have your secretary call me to tell me where it is? He got very angry, and he yelled out at me, Well, all right, it's not in the Bible. Where do you go to church? Well, I was trying to find one to go to, but I'm not going to go to one where the preacher perverts the Bible. This is what we'll see in the last days. I've seen it over and over and over as I have attended church. And if you haven't seen it, you probably don't know the Bible. If you get in the New Testament and you spend time in the New Testament, when something is wrong, you will see it. We're not looking for wrong. I never, ever once looked for wrongdoing when I attended a church. If I thought it was going to be wrong, I wouldn't have gone to it in the first place. But when I got there over and over, I saw pastors teaching things that were not in the Bible. 
So if you'll read the New Testament, especially the New Testament, if something's wrong, you'll see it. If they've added something to the church service that God didn't have in the New Testament Bible, you'll see it. You'll recognize it. Peter says, These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. I've never seen a time they were ashamed for teaching wrong when I would bring the subject up to them. They just yelled at me and were angry. I've never seen one time that they were sorrow, sorrowful and repented. Well, that's sign of Antichrist. And that's exactly what we're told in the book of Revelation when God brings the wrath of God upon the earth and those people endure the plagues that God is going to bring. They don't repent. Two times in the book of Revelation, we read that they repented not, neither were they sorrowful. That's exactly what I've seen in the churches when I have attended and heard them teach wrong and have gone to the person teaching the wrong and spoken to him. He becomes angry, but never once have I seen him be sorrowful and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I taught that I was wrong. Never once have I ever seen that. Well, that's Antichrist. He was Antichrist. There are many Antichrists, not just one Antichrist. It's just like there are many devils in people, not just one devil. There are many Antichrists. These are signs of the end time. Jude says they're clouds without water, and that's true. They're clouds without water. They speak things that seem enticing and clever, but there's no water in them, no spiritual edifying. It just tickles the flesh of the congregation. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against God. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Oh, they call themselves reverend. Their churches call them reverend. They delight in being called reverend when no place in the New Te- or the Bible does it tell man to call himself reverend. Reverend, holy and reverend is God's name, we read in the Bible. 
but they love to call themselves reverend. They love to be on that pedestal, putting themselves above other people. That is a sin, a terrible sin. That's an idol in the churches today. When you do that, don't do that. Turn from that. Don't call those men reverend. It doesn't tell us in the New Testament Bible to do that. They've done it to exalt themselves. Then Jude says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers, copiers, in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. I have these scriptures written out for us on our blog. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, on the right-hand side of the blog, you will see the word podcast. Pull up today's broadcast you will see the scriptures that I've spoken, and you can look at those scriptures and allow God to work with you through those scriptures. Again, the blog's name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today. Peter says, 